Hi. Test free reading on Bobby's Barbie's podcast called Barbie Does Change. The name of the story is called Ambulance Dolly. When I got the thought in my head to play in the Red Fire Station ambulance, I walked out of my door, turned right past the filthy fat Russian's flower shop, the beer joint, and a few more hops I'd end up at the city fire station. I hardly ever walked this way to the corner of Main Street because there were lots of men there to get around at the beer joint. They were always outside, stumbling, trying to rent a room upstairs over the roaring beer joint, pissing all over the sidewalks, and I'd pass them to the firehouse where lots of other kinds of men lived. Those men had the tallest bottles of soda pop I ever saw in my life strewn all over the tabletop, around which the men sat and yelled at their cards when they weren't eaten. I went to see to peek at the firemen a lot, hoping to get a plate of boiled food, whatever it was, roaring on the stove. Nobody saw me most of the time. What's a girl to do? I was invisible. Watch out, I tell you. With all the noisy people around, she drew me quietly to sit in her beautiful fire ambulance. Such a lovely red and chrome silver thing looking so inviting. Red called my little lost heart like a magnet. Out front, I'd stand and marvel at the two-truck fire station stall with beautiful red engines all polished up, shiny silver clean, and the chrome-biting camel teeth right in the front showing her grin and painted bright, gleaming, gleaming red cherry soda. Just standing there in the sunlight showing off. Before they put sparkles in paint, I saw them in the red paint on the fire engine. Left right there, kissed by the sun. Hey, you, get the hell out of there. Get the hell out of the middle of the drive. What if there's a fire? Okay, okay, okay. The red engines had ladders that reached far up into the sky that lay just like wings tucked on and folded neatly on her side. Taken up. All the skittle-by room between them. I thought the fire engine's way too big for me, though, and I preferred the sweet, pretty, my-size kind of toy, the candy apple red fire, fire ambulance with her welcoming doors wide open, inviting me in. They're all busy hollering. They won't see me, I told my dolly with no name, so he went to check on the fireman just, just to be sure. I crept up the stairs to follow the noisy men. I let my eyes flow along the flat floor and saw all the metal springy beds, the famous slide-down pole in the back by the engines in the middle of the card-playing living room. There sat all the firemen in their wife-beater t-shirts, a-hooting and a-hollering. They were happy. There was no fire today, so they threw the cards down on the table. Windows were all open, and some guys were leaning out to catch some breeze, and it was beautiful, hot and muggy, with clouds just hanging there, growing, while cigarette smoke filled the still air, going straight up to be to the blue part of the sky. Coke bottles were strewn about. I didn't have to watch them much, and they never came toward me. 
There was no women running around there bitching either. Uh, I could leave them alone, so off I went. Crawling back downstairs on the back wall, hanging on the hooks, looking just like big, fat men, were long shapes of fat and skinny black rubber pants and coats and lots of neatly placed yellow and black boots. They were just waiting. <clears throat> they were ready to run out the door. What a big house, I thought. This place is so big. I want to live in here. It took a long time, but I brought my things to live in the ambulance. In the back side and inside the red monster was a grated metal floor the length of the van. It was clean and tidy, and I climbed up on the nice sparkly red vinyl benches on both sides that were perfect tables for all of my neatly placed clothes, even my dresses from the closet, and all my belongings. There were nice cubby cupboards that I opened and just put my things in. It was a beautiful place. It was huge. It was Ambulance Dolly, Dolly's house and mine, and we were going to live in the ambulance. We shut the doors, and I could live there, and no one would ever find us again. I had brought all my Dolly stuff first in her basket in the carriage into the ambulance. I set up everything. I was surely to make some food for Dolly and a perfectly wonderful little dishes when the alarm bell went off. Fire, 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 men shouted, clang, 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 and they ran from everywhere, and before I knew it, I was being scooped up by a fat, sweaty man and thrown out of the ambulance, screaming, My Dolly, my Dolly! I see that fat, huge arm swipe my entire doll's life off the bench shelf we were both living on, and all the dolls' plastic gold flying in a zillion direction in the fire hall. Boots were running, smashing my things, and men screaming at me as I darted and crawled under the fire engine to get my doll's hairbrush. Pink pieces of my life were getting crumbled under the booted feet of giant rubber men. All the men were jumping in and off the engines, and the ambulance finally went speeding as other kids from the neighborhood ran in to steal my dolly's gorgeous little things. Howling and inconsolable, I was trying to chase the ambulance, but I didn't get far because the adults were hollering and grabbed me and caught. they caught me. Someone actually caught me. When I think back to that most traumatic day of losing my dolly, I just wanted to die. I surely felt a lot that day. It was fun playing out in the commotion of all life around me in the ambulance. I felt like I had a bigger living room for a while where the outside and the inside of my house were somehow all the same place. I finally got my doll back by howling in the fireman's ears. He turned me upside down from screaming to stop me from screaming, and I was so mad I nearly passed out. Forever, hours later, the damned ambulance came back, and I had her, but she had nothing left, and she was stripped. She meant the world to me. She was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen, and now everything changed. She was stripped, like me. All our stuff was gone, naked. I hated her now, and I had no nothing left myself. 
They probably gave my clothes and stuff in the cubbies to all the little girls who came, whose house just burnt down, I said to myself and Dolly to feel better. I wanted Dolly to feel better because she was so pretty. I could make her feel better. I was feeling good and bad together for a while, like I was happy sometimes and then not, but Dolly, it was Dolly that made me feel good. She was warm, and I smiled to her. She was a good girl, and she had seen a lot. About the same period, after the muggy heat and in the rainy season, a huge windstorm blew down the magnificent oak and maple trees in my biggest personal garden, the public park. This was a personal assault to me. They were the biggest, strongest things in the whole world, and they were knocked down. What? in the world could be stronger than my huge oak trees. My mind bent. In 1954, I was certain that the trees would just right themselves and get up and dust themselves off and begin to shade my lovely garden space again like never before. Oh, the tragedy that they're on their sides. It was impossible to get as my heart spent wooden tears and I puked green and brown leaves for months. I crawled and laid my body and their down tree trunks and I sucked up their pain. Pierced heart. Too young, they all said. Get up, get up, I cried through my tears speaking to them. Uncomforted that it was the storm who did this. This was the most horrible time seeing all the three to five hundred year old giants crashed into each other, toppled in such a way they looked to be imitating the root system. They were all tangled. If there were chainsaws happening, I never heard them. Little by little, the years passed and somebody took all the downed trees away. Giant, giant oaks and maples, old, on their backs, their mighty trunks on the ground, horizontal, and their branch umbrellas all smashed to smithereens. Those massive, round, huge umbrella arms that held me. Oh, the pain of it. When I saw them up close, I saw they weren't umbrellas, but they were tree limbs that went every which way, and they looked like an umbrella from below. How I loved them. Where will the birds sit? Where will I sit? How will I hide from people and spit in their heads, spit on their heads as they walk by below? How will I ever forget those tree arms and whose arms will hold me now? The smell of fresh naked wood killed me. The strong smell of sap choked my cough for years. Only the blue sky left now, and nothing to keep me from lifting straight up and orbiting right out into outer space. I was scared to realize with the trees gone. I needed that roof of trees to keep me on the ground. I thought my soul would get sucked out now. How will I keep together? I said as I looked up. As the trees are cut up and moved away, I visited and talked to them and assured them they should not be sad because their beauty would live forever in my mind's eye, and they still do. I still see them with their black shadows dancing the rumba in the golden sunlight. Their movement and reflection was a carpet of sky of pattern and color. I thought a lighted disco dance floor like no other, all mine, all for me. I have them always dancing in my soul.
So, damn it. Dolly had a trauma fire ride in our home ambulance in that awful town. And later, the mighty trees crashed to the ground, making me float out to touch the sky. When I couldn't take it anymore, then poor Dolly had another accident. If it wasn't bad enough, Dolly's things got stolen by a sweaty fireman. My stupid sister's lame, pathetic friend drew a very vivid, huge handlebar black mustache on her fire-survived petal-soft peach face. I went hysterical. I don't remember much and forgot when I stopped screaming. The adults got scared. I became sullen and refused to talk. The boy who did this was inconsolable and I ignored him. I spat at him. I cursed him. He was 12. He was a teenager. He cried and begged on a knee. I didn't know what he was doing. His face was all screwed up and ugly. I don't think I can hear. I couldn't play with Dolly anymore and she was ruined. I rejected my beloved Dolly and her friendship. She looked evil now and she scared me. I had to put her, get rid of her. I spurned her. I neglected her. I never touched her again. I didn't. I couldn't bear it. Everyone saw how devastated I was since Dolly and I had survived the ambulance fire, all my clothes being given away to a poor girl, the giant oaks crashing to the ground, and now Dolly is ruined by a horrid black handlebar mustache. She comforted me through all the sorrow, and they ruined her. I had no one now, lost, there, in a cold, mean town, alone. Everybody chipped in and got me another doll, not as pretty as Dolly, but I couldn't forget her, nor would I forgive them. I didn't even like them, let alone forgive them. I was ruthless in my rage. I still see his pleading face as I vowed never to forgive him. The childhood inbred rage was about to take over my every lasting breath, day and night. Rage and anger, hatred and spite were waiting in the wings to become my very bestest friends. No more dollies for me. No more living in the ambulance. It was time to get rugged while keeping the tree canopy over my head. It was all I had to hold me in a really big hug, a tight hug. The end. This has been Tess Free. Thanks for listening.